Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And as we speak today, a revolution is brewing right beneath your swivel chair. It is rumbling from the top down, and you, my friend, had better be aware for your firm to continue thriving. It's a revolution of collaboration versus competition, of firms united versus firms standing alone, and profitable solving problems rather than just pushing goods. And here, as our Paul Revere of the new revolution, is the veteran business strategist to Fortune 500 firms, author of his latest book, Topple, which is a revealing volume explaining the business structure of the future and the move into business ecosystems by Dr. Ralph Wellborn. Ralph has been, oh, advising forever. In fact, I believe Ralph's first corporate client was a Medici banking family in Florence. But he's also guided IBM's transformational (laughs) strategy team. He was VP of KPMG Consulting. He's awarded the 2016 CEO Award as chief executive for Imaginatic, and he is here to reveal the future's more friendly and enriching business model. So whether you are a noted trade liaison between Chinese and United States firms ever seeking new goals for old businesses, like Savio does, or you're a CFO of a large tech company ever seeking new fiscal visions, like Joe, pull up your chair a little closer and join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Actually, Ralph, I suppose I, I should really refer to you uh, not so much as the Paul Revere, but the Thomas Paine of our new business revolution, bringing us some common sense. Uh, but by any sobriquet, I'm, I'm glad you could come down from your Boston home and enlighten us today. Hey, Bart, I, I'm really glad to be here. Look, it was a simple choice. I could either be outside working in the yard where it's incredibly hot, or I could be inside where it's air-conditioned. So, Easy choice. Gee, I, I'm really, I can't tell you that I, I'm glad we won out. I'm glad we don't do the show out of doors. <laughs> um, Ralph, like I said, you come on as an evangelist saying that the ancient and time-proven, I might add, model of the standalone firm is riding swiftly into history. And it's about to be replaced by this more effective model, more collaborative ecosystem model. So so let's take this new business testament one step at a time. What is the current mode of companies today, which you, you and your book call the Red Queen model? And what are its limitations? Well, the, the current mode is, frankly, it's doing more what we've always done, just better, faster, cheaper. The, the right. challenge with that is that the topple rate – hence the title of the book, the rate at which companies are changing their competitive position vis-a-vis their, their, their peers is accelerating. They tend, to be, oh. they tend to be falling from their perch faster and faster. It's interesting. Over the past 20 years, 80% of the companies that were on the Fortune 500 and the G2000 are no longer there, and that rate is just accelerating. Whoa. The other thing that – yeah, it's, it's quite astounding – the other thing is that, is that we're finding that 
12% of companies drive 85% of economic profit, and that type of concentration is simply increasing. So the Red Queen is that character from Alice in Wonderland who runs faster and faster, trying to do more, better, faster, cheaper, but staying in the same relative place. And that's what we're seeing over and over again. It's oh, okay. I see. Yeah, it's... it's like the horse who has, in, in 1984, was one solution, I will work harder, and that ain't it. Uh, it's, it's not working. Well, in your, in your latest very well-penned uh, book, I might add, uh, Topple, you, you notice that uh, products pitching uh, is simply, as, as you've just said, non-productive. And you said that they have to, that business leaders need to transform their mindsets into a more collaborative business ecosystem. Now, uh, my mind fills with, with ideas of what that might be, but what exactly is a, is a business ecosystem, and, and, and who's in it? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a reflection in the reality that we are competing in a world without industry borders anymore. We used to be known mm. as a car company, or I'm a manufacturing company, or I'm a healthcare company, and that's how we defined ourselves. And a few mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. ago, the automobile industry is a good example to take. A few years ago in Detroit, where they had their annual automobile conference, every CEO of, of automobile companies stood up and said, we are no longer a car company. We are now a mobility company. <laughs> yes. and, and initially people, you remember that? Remember that? And, you know, initially yeah, people oh, I, giggled, I remember that. They said, but, they, they changed, who was it? Uh, Bavarian Motor Works changed its mission to say, we are producers of, or problem solvers of personal mobility. That's their whole mission now. They made that change. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it was, it's actually, it, was, it presaged what we're seeing now, which is, hey, what's the real problem that we need to solve? We as automobile companies need to get people from A to A to B the capabilities we need to do so in a changed world don't live within our industry. We need better insight in terms of telemetry data, in terms of of acceleration data, in terms of Wi-Fi in the car, in terms of whatever else it happens to be. Well, hold on. We as car companies, that's not A, that's not what we traditionally known for, what we have, and B, that's not a traditional, that's not your father's industry, a car industry anymore. And so that's just a simple example of, of how these industry boundaries are becoming more porous and they're blurring together. And so a business ecosystem is recognizing, one, that we are competing in a world without borders, and number two, probably most importantly, that the capabilities, the capabilities we need to take advantage of these new opportunities don't live within us. And so we have to figure out new arrangements with other people outside of our industry in order to serve these new opportunities. So a business ecosystem is the orchestration of capabilities from different types of firms, automobile, data analytics, telemetry, whatever, to deliver new types of value. That's it. Really simple. Okay, I think this is early in the show, but I think I'd like to just point out that um, Ralph has come up with a quill pen moment. He has spoken a new but timeless truth of business, so I hope you'll all take your pens, dip them in the inkwell, and jot down that the that you are not, uh, you can not remain alone, 
that there are new capabilities and new opportunities that you must be reaching out for as if you are to not just survive but thrive. So I thank you for bringing that up, Ralph. And now you've you've got um, corporations, as you say, reaching out toward new problems, and you, you've, you're really saying that, that my company has to, to re, revamp its mission. I, I've got to stop looking for product placement, and I've even stopped looking for customer need, but rather address a specific, rather address specific problems that I could tackle. Um, how does a problem differ from a need? Yeah, so let me put that in a little bit of context. So a changed competitive environment requires a new strategic question and a new approach for explosive growth. Because, again, one of the business problems that we're dealing with, as I mentioned before, only 12% of companies are driving 85% of economic profit, which leaves the majority of firms scrambling over over just the scraps on the table, and that is concentrating increasingly. So clearly – What we've been doing, what made us successful to date is not what's going to make us successful going forward. So one phrase I use often is that businesses are optimized for a world that no longer exists. And so, again, go back to a changed competitive environment requires a new strategic question. So we'll talk about what that question is, but the majority of firms are still looking for growth in the wrong place. We we tend Uh to be so product push oriented. And I mean, think about this, but it it makes sense. We've been, we've been wildly successful because of the product that we deliver. And so what we do to grow is we listen to our customers and we say, Hey, our customers want this feature, add this on, maybe we extend our, our product set a little bit more. The problem with that is customers actually don't want our products for themselves. They want them to do something with there are particular problems. It's a matter of what it is versus its value. That's exactly so that's exactly what it happens to be. You're finding you say that, and, and so, the real truth is, customer does not always know what he wants. He wants certain values. He didn't. People didn't want an iPhone, but when uh, Steve came up with the idea and put it out there, people lined up to buy it. He he thought of new. He thought of a device that had new value. Right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, it is, but, but, but just play with that for a second. Previously, people said, okay. yeah, I need a phone in order to call mom. I need to, play, I need to call mom on Sundays. And, and Steve mm-hmm. said, well, wait a minute. People actually want a mechanism to communicate with each other in a, wherever they are, however they want to, and not simply to call mom on the weekends, but to share things with mom, to share things with my right. friends, to share things with my kids, to have insight into them. It isn't just a fix the feature of a phone to make a make it a pretty color and change the style of the phone from the rotary dial to a, to a, to a, to to push it it was a what are the problems that we as individuals and in communicating with people want we want to talk we want to share we want to engage we want to collaborate that's where he planted his flag he planted his flag not around a phone he planted his flag around effective communication because again you don't use a phone for a phone. You use a phone to do something. And so if you figure out what you want to do, and then you figure out, hey, how can I solve that need? How can I solve that friction? That's the difference between pushing a product, making it better on the edges, versus rethinking what the fundamental need, or I call it friction in the marketplace happens to be, and then and plant mm. your flag around that. 
That's different. That's that's great. I, well, as a matter of fact, I used my my phone just recently to help uh, steady the table. I was drinking at at a, at a, a bar after <laughs> after the last show, and um, frankly, I cannot say it was truly one of the best uses I've put it to in a good long time, or at least those who <laughs> whom I call would say that. Um, if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the confusing enigma of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We are on several uh, radio stations and a whole host of Internet streams, but the easiest way to get this and all our episodes, just visit theartoftheceo.com. Now, Ralph, it seems to me as if you're calling for business uh, through all of this to take on the responsibility of solving social ills, a kind of social entrepreneurialism. Am I right? Well, let me let me ask that in two ways. Number one, there are problems in the world known as wicked problems. That's the, the term of art. <laughs> and wicked problems right. are those that require – they're just hard, right? They're really hard to deal with. Yeah. And, and wicked problems require many – Exactly. Many different types of organizations to tackle them. No one organization or even one, any one industry can tackle them alone. Just like you said, poverty or healthcare or cyber attacks or whatever it happens to be. But what's, in, what's really exciting now is that these new models create the opportunity to tackle these really, really hard problems in ways we never could before that allows us to create both greater economic value and societal benefit. Here's the reality. The reality is, is many firms may have what are known as corporate social responsibility or CSR programs, but they're not tied to the sure. core business. And so when, time, when times are tough, what's the first thing cut? CSR programs. Oh, so yeah. the reality is no, right. Right? The reality is no commercial right. entity is, is going to take on a, a, the sole responsibility of solving a social ill. They have to get something out right. of it. Namely, they have to make money, clearly. But here's where it gets interesting. These new models, because we are orchestrating the capabilities from different types of firms, those firms okay. that are highly that need to make money, there are mechanisms for them to make money, but other ones that are in it, they recognize that, hey, there are actually great social benefits that can be derived, can do it as well. Here's a quick example. I was working okay. in Africa around diabetes. And we were, we were, we were right. trying to figure out, well, how do we tackle the scourge of diabetes, which is, as we know, a problem everywhere. And we recognize that there are different types of capabilities we needed to do so. There are medical ones, but there are also logistic ones. We had to figure out how we could get medicines and insight out to the people, and again, this was sub-Saharan Africa, out to the villages and the townships. And at the proper temperature at the through, proper time, which is no mean trick out there, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. And so we, we ended up going to the CEO of South Africa Brewery. So it's, it's now Aha! today, you may know through its acquisition, they're the largest brewery in the world. And, and for them, mm-hmm. the CEO said, why should I care? Diabetes, what's in it yeah. for me? That's a social good, <laughs> and I've got some CSR stuff. Why do I care? And when we actually showed that, well, wait a minute, take a look at this. If people are sick, they don't come to work. If they don't come to work, your productivity goes down. If productivity goes down, your margins go down. If margins go down, you're losing money. And so we have a mechanism through this new model, of this new way of tackling diabetes with different types of stakeholders where we need you 
to provide logistics capabilities. And so did he get direct revenue out of providing his trucks to go out to the villages? No. But were we able to trace back specifically the impact on productivity and his, and his revenue and growth in bottom line? Yes. And so – Well, I'll also bet that the marketing on that about. was something that you took care of real well too and, and uh, doing well by doing good through, through – to see his trucks with his names delivering message, uh, medicine. Uh, great oh, idea. It was incredible incredibly powerful. And so there's a give and get principle. You give this for which you get that. So the, the art of the business ecosystem is number one, figuring out what are the unique capabilities you bring to the table around this hard problem. Uh-huh. And number two, figuring out what type of value you need for that. Like he needed, we traced it down to economics for him, and then orchestrating right. those capabilities to deliver that value. That's what's so exciting to me well, about these models. Well, I think there's one here that seems to be that has really the business world to buzz with with one such ecosystem effort that uh, with three very unlikely collaborators, Morgan Stanley, Amazon, and Berkshire Hathaway, Gorman Buffett and Bezos, they've united uh, and are venturing into a field that is beyond any of their core missions. So uh, tell us, Ralph, what is this giant triumvirate? trying to fix, and what is their approach, and how does it fit in with what you're saying? Yeah, this is a, this is a very timely, as you mentioned, example here. It's, just, it's hot off the press on this stuff, and it's, it's a perfect example here. They're saying the friction. We have a market breakdown globally around healthcare. The model today, the traditional model today is patch you up, send you out the door. You're sick, you go to a doctor, they patch you up, out you go. And they're saying, wait a minute, this is not sustainable at all. This doesn't make sense from J.P. Morgan's point of view. There's, they know the economic cost of our current healthcare delivery systems, that they're neither sustainable oh, for our economy and critically for individuals. Amazon is saying, right. well, wait a minute, this is such a big issue. The capability I have to bring to this, though, is I have extraordinary technical capabilities, and I've got platforms of engagement with people throughout the U.S. like, like no one. And so, and Berkshire Hathaway has so many companies with of small businesses that that either are suppliers or direct customers that they say this healthcare thing is really a mess, and we need to figure out how we solve it. It's not being solved in the traditional way. Let's plant our flag around healthcare, not from the point of view of you're sick, patch you up, ship you out the door, but in terms of prevention, in terms of actual healthcare. Right. Prevention works. That's, that's wellness, the big white elephant in healthcare, anyway. It is, mm-hmm. and so you and need. So, so they they planted their flag, and you need a different set, mm-hmm. a model, and with firms with different sets of capabilities to tackle it, and that's what they're doing. But you know, so are they going to be know, dropping doctors by drones from Amazon or something? <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, I couldn't you know, resist that. I just have Amazon. <laughs> so go uh, ahead. You know, Bart, you know, Bart, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we talk about these big companies involved, but it's just as relevant for small companies. There's no difference at all. And so there's a there's a specialty fiber company that's a business to business company, but they create specialty fibers that wraps. Uh, electrical power plants and and uh, fuselages and, and aircraft and so on and they're just they're a market leader in this type of space and 
and they're they're growing quite well. But after working with them, their growth just went two and a half times. And the reason for that is we posited the problem differently. Previously, they they said, we've got the best specialty fibers out there. Look at our features and functions. Our growth is going to become, because we listen to our customers, of making different types of fibers for you. And when we said, well, that's great, but people use fibers to do something. What is it that they do? The value what are the, proposition. What's really the friction? Exactly. What is it? Yes, it, it is the coolant. I get that. But, but really, from a society point of view, what, what's the big friction that we care about? And, and ultimately, it came down to safety. And the issue, the issue was, and it was, it, and it was risk. It was the management of risk. Specialty. So think ah. about this. This was really interesting. So this specialty fiber company started to say, right. the problem we really want to own is risk management. Now, they didn't have a bunch of those capabilities in-house. They had some of the cool, the, the required capabilities, but they needed to develop some other capabilities about how do you simulate different types of risk? How do you, how do you understand the safety issues overall around nuclear power plants or, or airplanes and fuselages ah. and whatever else? Let me guess, they turned to insurance companies? Insurance companies, they turned to data analytic companies, they turned to and some ah. others. And together, they built a new set of products that were not just the products of the specialized fibers, but, but financial simulation models about some consulting advisory services and so on. That ah, created okay. these – yeah, so that was unique, and that drove value not only for them, tremendous value for them, but value for each of the other partners. No one of these firms That's, should have done the loan, and it was and much more than a marketing point. Employee. Right. It is, the, is it the joining. You can't do it alone because there's different skills, so the unlikely bedfellows all have different skills. Uh, well, after this delightful noshing at today's Feast of Wisdom, I believe it's truly time for us to, uh, to try to take in all Ralph's given us and take a brief sorbet and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's feast. And first utensils, I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you state your vision, one of those several special visions that you have for your marvelous self, and see how your routine daily is working to fulfill it? Or will you continue to live the unexamined life and see it, find it not quite worth living? The choice, my friend, is truly yours, and as a second utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste the scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So I'm pulling it out, and we are going through. And, oh, okay, here we are. Here. Here's number 52. <clears throat> one iron-willed, ambitious individual can climb the highest mountain, but one compassionate person working with all his supporters, can move it. What do you think, Ralph? Does this quip ring any bells with you? Well, it does, it does remind me of one of my favorite indie movies called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And oh, yes, that, I love a, that. A lot, <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie, right? It's just a wonderful movie. And there's a oh, line truly. in that movie that says, things that yesterday were unknown have today become a necessity. And so when you were reading your, 
your quip, I was thinking, you know, once you get a taste of moving mountains, you want to do it over and over again. And go watch that movie. Ah, <laughs> yes, right. Well, you know, really, there are more people uh, out there willing to help you than hurt you. And so uh, may I just suggest that uh, when you tally up your resources and assets, do you remember to add in the sum of all those talented allies and friends who stand ready to join you in your goals? No, just a thought. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips, and you will find your tongue tripping out sweet mirth with wisdom fresh in your memory as you lighten the load of your fellow chain gangers at work. And as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon out to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the individual who said... If anything is good for pounding humility into you permanently, it is the restaurant business. <laughs> and those words were spoken by none other than the late and much lamented chef, uh, Anthony Bourdain, who truly knew the wisdom of that business. Congratulations, all you winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting your way, comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul-stirring gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to Dr. Ralph Wellborn and his revelations on new business e ecosystems, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that very capable firm is Princeton Internet Group. You know, Recently, I read some business pundit announcing the website is passé. My friend, that assertion is manure. Your website may be passé, but the website remains one of the primary, most effective business tools you can use. And from my own experience, allow me to recommend Mr. Rob Frieda and his marketably, his, I'm sorry, his marketly creative firm, Princeton Internet Group. They will hold to light your product in a way that, well, just translates into profit. So take a little website quiz with me, if you will. Uh, number one, does your website present as well on a massive wall screen as in a handheld phone? Does uh, each web page have a call to action? Mm -hmm. And how about security? Do you have the best deal from the most secure provider? Or are you thinking of expanding into a global position and need to and find a good experienced guide to give you an international web presence? Or, and, mo and this is the most vital, do you have a web expert that you can call on, sit down with, and work things out personally? To do yourself a favor, Princeton Internet Group has been translating cyberspace into dollar profit for major corporations and small startups since 1992. And for you listeners on The Art of the CEO today, Rob Frieda is offering an absolutely free consultation with Makeover Tips. Just mention my name, Bart Jackson, and despite that, they will treat you politely. So just connect with them by visiting pingsite.com. That's P-I-N-G-S-I-T-E.com. Carpe diem, my friend, you are worth it. So let's return to Dr. Ralph Holborn to find out the revolutionary new business models that are out there and what, uh, how uh, the old standalone profit, uh, the old standalone firm is losing its profit base. Uh, Ralph, you're uh, forever urging us to answer what problem do I want my company to own? I got that; it makes sense and it unlocks value. 
And you're saying, am I right, that it has to make value both for me and my customer, correct? Yes. Yes, okay. clearly. And not only for – yep. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, is that, uh, so I have to find out where my profit lies and, and, and link that with, with my customer benefit, right? But it's not just you and your customer. It's the partners you have okay. engaged as well. So, so take an example here of, of Hotels.com, just to pick one of many we, we right. could cite. So Hotels.com okay. is an explosive growth company, and, and, and they, they are profitable. They make their money only – well, just to be clear on the, their business model. So what they do is I, as customer, would say, hey, I would really like to go to a uh, certain city, uh, New York, Chicago, wherever, and, and are there any rooms available that I can get at a lower rate? Well, it, it makes an awful lot of sense for the different, rush, uh, the different hotel folks to put their unused rooms, their unused inventory, and they, they open it up to Hotels.com, and Hotels.com orchestrates the matching between where you want to go, when you want to go, and open rooms. Hotels.com, right. they orchestrate these assets. They make no money unless the hotel makes money and you save money. So there's a shared value relationship among them. So they take the risk along with the hotel. If the hotel rooms aren't sold, they make no money. The hotel doesn't make any money. You don't get value. So it's a, it, they, it's a shared risk-reward model there where the value is distributed among all of those, those parties. And That's these business ecosystems – very good. These business ecosystems are not the – Leo Tolstoy once, once said, all families are the same, but they're same in different ways. And, and right. these ecosystems are the same. There are deep patterns to these ecosystems. They're, they're similar, but they're similar in different ways. So there are some very, dis, very distinct patterns to figure out which ones are right for you, depending upon what it is you want to do and where you want to play around the problems that you want to own or the flags you want to plant. But the hotels that one is an okay. example. So, the Ralph, let me interrupt you here because – Yep. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're, we're running out of time, and I did want to get this one little test for you here. Uh, if, if we could move oh. uh, from the strategic model and, and, uh, and the examples you've given us, uh, I'd like to try one practical application, and you can give me an example of how it might work. I am Eileen. I am a CEO of a successful presentation coaching company. Corporations hire my crew to uh, help senior executives make speeches and to help uh, staff at all levels communicate better. I'm connected with a lot of professional organizations and chambers. So, Dr. Wellborn, where might I look to find a problem I might own, and with whom should I be casting my eye for greater value and growth? So I think I think there are two two places to focus to to do precisely that. Number one is help your help the folks you're working with to say to stop running the Red Queen race, and to do that, ask the new strategic question. Work with them on what are those four lessons of explosive growth companies, and what of these are relevant to you. Where do you plant your flag? And then from that, what does determine those capabilities you need? So, so stress test how they're thinking about the new opportunities, number one. Number two, okay. stress test the, I believe, the overly, overly um, 
the over focus on customer centricity. I believe the majority right. of focus on customer centricity is still an inside out view. It's still a how do I polish the products I currently have based on what my customers said they need around it? That's one generation right. of customer centricity. But everything we've talked about today is no, look at it from a different point of view. What are what do customers use the products for? What really is that problem to own? So Eileen can help her folks the most by helping them understand, change their mindset about the new strategic question and its implications, and for goodness sake, be okay. much more pragmatic and high impact on customer centricity. Whoa. Okay. Thank you very much. It's so good to see uh, a solid solution for a solid situation. I, I really appreciate this. Ralph, uh, I, I'd love to have you to talk with you for another hour and, and, and keep it keep enlightening us. But uh, I I just have one final question. If I am wise enough to want to get a hold of your book, Topple, and even more to uh, perhaps get Ralph Wellborn to consult and, and guide me into this new profitable method of growth, how can I get a hold of your book and how can I get a hold of you? All right, sure. So you, Barnes and Noble tells them the book, and also Amazon, of course, you can you can get it that way. In terms of contacting me, I'd love to to speak with folks about this. Not that I'm passionate about it, you can tell, but at Ralph no. at Cap with the P. Yeah, so Ralph at CapImpact.com. Okay. Get me there. Ralph or L P H at C A M P I M P A C T dot com. All right. This Ralph, it's been wonderful having you on, and I really, I find myself, uh, just as I sit here, thinking of whole new views and people whom I should seduce, induce, and traduce uh, to come join me. So this is going to be, uh, you, if, I, I'm sure you've done as much for each of our listeners as, uh, as you've done for me, and, and so you really have made your mark today. And I thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Bart. I'm back out to gardening now. Okay, yes, we all do what we must do. Thanks very much, Ralph. So today, as we round out our feast, uh, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said, May the gods confound the man who first discovered how to distinguish hours and set up a sundial to hack and cut my days so wretchedly into small portions. <laughs> And uh, interestingly, this brilliant playwright wrote the play from which a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and it was later uh, taken from that. So that's just a good hint. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life and career igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the employer who lavishes every comfort and advantage on his employees is either really wise, really greedy, or both. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as, as much as Ralph uh, and I have obviously enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, 
may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>